Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast. This is your almost weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. And I should amend this whole thing and just begin. Like, can I can I actually call the show like Emmy award winning? Like, I know the show itself hasn't won any hardware. We are Emmy adjacent. But because Michael Moynihan, Vice News, is in the building and he is Emmy Award winning journalist. Oh God. He, he is associated <laughs> with the with the podcast. Yeah, his name is his name is under the masthead. I yeah. think we qualify because they don't give those kinds of things to podcasts anyway. Apparently, they give them to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, even yeah. even old white guys who yeah. already have everything. Street yeah. urchins. It's yeah. not right and it's not fair. Well, but he's in the building. Thank you. It's wonderful Thank to see you. Anthony Fisher also in the building, fresh yeah. off of his stint um, co-hosting the Republican presidential nominee debate thing co-moderating the, <laughs> the never trump gop debate up. hosted yeah. by a business insider yeah, yeah. So we could talk about that a little bit got I think, the daily show treatment at some point and and camille foster is also here yeah. i do stuff at Freethink occasionally i i also i'm suffering servant that's what i am I, I i'm very impressed camille yeah because you texted me not earlier today. <laughs> and you're like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go do this. She's like, getting a fucking kid to go to school. 45 minutes yeah, it was ago. Like, it was like the dentist. You're like, I don't want to go. Come on, come on. It's going to be fine. We'll give you a fucking lollipop. Just shut up. And fine, you come, and I uh, do have slightly more sympathy for you, because yeah. I, I see you shuffling in with your eyes, like, half glued shut, and you say, I got in at three in the morning. I did get in at three in the morning. And my wife from some other state. Yeah. And so... um I have to say, I'm, I'm sympathetic and I'm very impressed that you gave a very spirited intro for oh. somebody who hasn't slapped much and I don't believe <laughs> is any longer taking prescription stimulants. This is true. I'm wow. not. You know, I'm, high, I'm high off of life Damn. and friendship. Stay in school, kids. And I'm Drink excited to see you guys. Yeah, I am. Our, our very good friend, Matt Welch, is somewhere on assignment or just generally fucking what around he doing? someplace. He's at large, yeah. obviously. Editor at large, mm-hmm. Reason Magazine. See how I did that? Yeah. Um, there is a great deal going on in the world. Oh, that we should on. talk about. There's a the lot president is apparently, oh my God, going to be impeached again, but probably not because Teflon Don. He can't yeah. be touched. Well, yeah. even if he is and impeached, maybe tomorrow this will look like something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, Remember, Bill Clinton was impeached. Yeah. And we got eight years of him. We'll see. So. And we deserved it. Yeah, yeah. Long yeah. and hard. Um, he's, <laughs> that's really That's about how that works? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I mean, it's just a gross thing to say. It's how it works. Is it? Particularly, yeah. particularly for Bill Clinton. Yeah. Seems context yeah. appropriate. I, yes, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't, I mean, it's fine. But you said Obama was large and in charge. I'd be like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I think we should talk a little bit about the president's situation, but it is so fluid. Um, and I mean, changing moment to moment, who knows where that will end up by the time this is released. Um, but there is a young lady who set the world ablaze mm-hmm. or who's trying to stop the world <laughs> yes. from being set ablaze. Yes, again. She's, look at the she's, UN. We should yeah, talk think about, about her. these things before you say them. Um, well, no, I, this is all very well calibrated. She is. Yeah, yeah. In my mind, asbestos. moments before I say it, um, the war on e-cigs is still going on and I think we should probably I mean, it's not only going on. That. It's it's uh, it's in its uh, battle of the bulge uh-huh. stage right now. This yeah, is it. It's incredible. This is it. Yeah. Um, but I think we should begin with this whole Emmy situation yeah. because as I understand yeah. it, when the Emmys are are so white. 
again. <laughs> yeah. There's at least been reported in a few cases. And given that you Not have. Well, yeah. Well, I was at a different, <laughs> I was at a different Emmys. No one, the you, Emmys I'm different? at. Well, it's news and documentaries. Well, why, yeah. That's not No really. one is sitting in the crowd uh, counting the number of white people on stage <laughs> because the people who would typically do that are sitting in the crowd, right? Because it's the news Emmys. And uh, the previous night, they're watching the ones on television. Oh, this and is this is why the Game of Thrones people. There's no photos of you with them. No, yeah. no. I have a photo That's with a me, shame. me and Peter Dinklage. It's just I follow him around Chelsea. <laughs> I used to see him in Chelsea all the time because I used to work over there. And I used to see this is a horrible thing to say. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I used to see this like dog. Cry. He had a huge dog, massive dog. It's I've amazing. Seen dog. I've seen him. Have you seen him yeah. walking the dog? I haven't seen him. Wa- I've seen photos of him. It's um, dog. he had this big dog, yeah. and I would always see yeah, like yeah. Dinklage. I'm not going to say more than that. Yeah, because. You know, I think he was doing it on they'll purpose. They'll take the Emmy away. I think he was doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it was to kind troll, of... To troll people. I mean, you don't... At that point, maybe you had to do it, um, or it was good to do it, because now he's just fucking Peter Dinklage. Yeah. I mean, he's like, you know, women love him. Yeah. Every woman I know is like, oh, Peter Dinklage is really hot and everything. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I like yeah, him. I, yeah. I like I mean, him. That, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I think he's great. He's a great actor. Yeah. And he's, he's funny. He's, British, he's also very handsome. And I think his, he's a handsome guy. And his uh, British accent got better as that show went on, despite <laughs> the fact that I haven't seen it. I saw... I think the first episode and then kind of one of the later ones. Okay. And he sounded, he sounded better. Yeah. But yeah, so the Emmys were great. That was, yeah. it was, it was fun. Yeah. But the Emmys so white is a different Emmys. Mm-hmm. So that one, I said that to you because you mm-hmm. were out there mm-hmm. during Oscars. So white, mm-hmm. like fucking Euclid doing math <laughs> equations about why that wasn't true. Right. Yeah. So I sent you a message about this mm-hmm. and I'm going to find the message that I sent because there was a, an article like, why don't I fucking pay attention to these things? But there was an article in Vogue, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a small magazine. It's a big, it's a big magazine. Mm-hmm. And so there was an, an, um, Emmy's uh, article that I was like, okay, this is this is inevitable, and it, it, it was the headline was 2000 Emmys were once again so white, mm-hmm. and the picture beneath it is the only I think all white cast, which is Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. right? Which, which is, is not an all white cast, uh, which is not an all white white cast, but the, the the photo here, the people who are in it appear to be mostly mostly white, but it's also we're in an incredible situation in the world that I'm looking at a photo of a TV show after they've won an award that, that I think is richly deserved mm-hmm. by most pe- people's estimation. I'd say and I'm so, counting, generally. I'm trying to figure out what race everyone is. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a, kind of a weird thing, but so I sent this to you. It and, sounds like you're in the 1960s or something. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird how yeah. that works. It was weird that Bill Connor presented that award, but um, <laughs> the Orville Faubus award for, for <laughs> lifetime achievement, sufficiently white achievement. It said Emmy's categories, 26 categories. Mm. Um, they're handed out and only Three, yes, three major awards, major awards. I, I don't know how they qualify that. We went to people of color. Mm-hmm. And then down below beneath that, it says of the 12 acting honors given, uh, two uh, went to, to uh, black uh, actors. So, uh, you know, we're talking 13% representation of the population. Because mm-hmm. we're talking about representation. You have to do this, right? 13%. Yeah, right? Isn't that's that right? an interesting number. So two out of 12 would be? Uh, well, uh, out of 26, it would be three. So that's perfect, right? <laughs> and out of and, and out of thirty uh, percent uh, uh, of twelve, that's two. That's overrepresented, right? right? So I don't really understand yeah. wh- what the, th- this stuff is supposed to be because then you realize I had a bit of a uh, conniption last episode mm-hmm. about an article about some tall show mm-hmm. 
Go back and listen to it because then you're going to need this very vital content. It, it left a mark. That, that <laughs> kind of That's how we get extra um, downloads. Uh, we, don't, we won't tell you anymore. Uh, my favorite bit in this piece. Some saw, when you start, by the way, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you are training to be journalists and you start a sentence say, that says, some saw, you're mm-hmm. fired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 2019 and 14-year-olds are writing. This, this, this might even be Teen Vogue. Some saw Chernobyl's triumphs as robbing Ava DuVernay's highly praised When They See Us, a searing look at the Central Park Five stories, another instance of American awards voters' preference for European history over their own country's dark past. Now, let's just do something here quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, I I wouldn't actually call Chernobyl European history, by the way. (laughs) Soviet Socialist Republic. It's the Soviet (laughs) Union in 1986. But if you want to expand Europe, we could do Eurasia or something. Mm -hmm. But... This is exactly what I was talking about the other day in the last episode. And I saw this and multiple versions of this article is that criticism has become this. The merits of the show don't matter at all. It's like, mm-hmm. wait, how did Chernobyl win against Ava DuVernay's, DuVernay's show? Mm-hmm. Is It was a better show. And by the way, I think that Chernobyl was the first show that was on um, IMDb that had like a 100% rating after like 10,000 votes. Yeah. It's, look, I liked it. I thought it was a very, very great. good show. I think it, it has like some severe uh, factual and scientific uh, deficiencies but there's as, some there's some deficiencies, as a narrative, for sure. yeah it is haunting yes sure. and, and it, amazing it, to and watch. nothing really, happens really fantastic right? yeah so you see the core reactor and everything blows up and just like as a film it is a very very difficult thing to make something like that a four or five part thing everyone loves it and it's essentially the historical version of a harold pinter play you know it's just like people taking dramatic pauses and huffing mm-hmm. and puffing around camera and it really really works and the, the the criticism here is that because this when they see us is about the Central Park Five, and that is our history, by the way. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Imagine that sort of nativist kind of idea. Yeah. This is our history, and you're favoring their history, this us versus them kind of paradigm. But the funny thing about this is it completely flattens whether or not these films are good. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the thing. At first, it was representation about who's being nominated, and now it's about representation and who's being chosen. There might be a year in which, you know, minority-led, show-run, written, directed shows run the tables. And Mm -hmm. I can see that happening very easily because I can think of a lot of shows that fit that bill that are great. Mm -hmm. Atlanta... It, tore it up a couple of years ago and it was it, great and it's a great it's a really it's good, actually just a great show I it's love a that show. great really good it's show. a great television show and I don't care what color the person it, who makes it, it is. doesn't matter doesn't it's matter. a great TV show yeah. and then you know this is like look Chernobyl was a great piece of work and mm-hmm. this person is complaining that you should have chosen your preference should be it's kind of a Stalinist instinct yeah. isn't it <laughs> I mean it's like a Pravda like a Pravda review is you know art is for the people right when they say that it means we tell you what the art's going to be mm. in this thing it's like you know the the voters preference for european history is like no maybe it's their preference for good television over you know okay television and i tried to watch that thing and it just wasn't my cup of tea i'm not going to say it's a bad uh, piece of work i just you know but it's crazy that this is actually how 90 percent of the coverage i've seen other stuff just like this i'm like how could you choose this jelani cobb from the new yorker yes. right mm-hmm. Who I hope will come on the show. Who tweeted, the voters had an easier time countenancing a radioactive disaster thousands of miles away than the disaster right here in which they might be implicated when they see us. Who? That is, I have literally... Might be ne- implicated. That's one. That's 1,300 likes on that. I literally 
have no idea what that means. <laughs> the funny thing is the first response is, I agree, it's racist of them not to pick the black show. <laughs> that's literally, I'm, that's not me, that's the first Twitter response. And you, um, and you, one can't know if that's sincere I, I, I have no idea. or sarcastic. I have no idea, but it's, isn't it kind of crazy? That's a great response. That, that, uh, the radio active disaster thousands of miles away. So we need to have a radius mm. when we're voting for what films you like best and where they took place. Mm. So it's in Ukraine. And so now, I mean, is that a transition? We can do a Donald Trump transition. That's pretty good. But it's in Ukraine. So we, we shouldn't prize that, even though it's really good, over the one that happened you know, right m- miles away from Johnny Cobb mm-hmm. uh, down the, down the and, street in Manhattan. If, real quick, though, just as, as, a, as a fan of the, the art form, Ava DuVernay, whenever her shows or documentaries or feature films don't win outright all the awards, there's always uh, an accusation of an ulterior motive. And Selma, I don't know if you guys saw Selma. Did see it. Um, it didn't blow me away. Mm-hmm. I, I, could, it, I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a story that deserved to be told. I thought it had some powerful moments and some powerful performances, but it had flaws. And when it didn't sweep the Oscars, there, were, th- th- there was a similar conversation. I guess it was about three years ago that – there must be some kind of cultural or biased ulterior motive, not that it maybe just wasn't as good as another movie or wasn't perceived as good as... The true test of your theory, though, Fisher, is whether or not A Wrinkle in Time had some sort of major best picture campaign associated with it, and I'm not sure if it did. Well, that's The Wrinkle in Time, I mean, I read a lot of reviews of of A Wrinkle in Time, and most of them were contorting themselves like painfully to Mm. say... Well, the, the movie's kind of a mess, but it's mm-hmm. it's it's important. It's important yeah. that it was made by movies, this particular by filmmaker. The, by the way, movies aren't important. Yeah. <laughs> I've never I've never seen an important movie. Sometimes. Re- no, no, they're not the important. Movie can be important. No, they're not important. Never they're, they're, no, 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 absolutely not. There, there are movies that are effective and affecting, mm-hmm. but I don't believe that, you know, it's important that people see Schindler's List. It's important that people are told and learn to learn about the Holocaust, not that they see, you know, a film about it. Mm. It can, it can, you know, act as some sort of supplementary material or something, but I don't believe films are important in that way. Mm. Because once you start believing in that paradigm that films, films are important, why wouldn't you take that further and say, let's make this entire project of Hollywood and of popular films one that promotes culture for the people? And then we get back to this area of saying what is this what is the 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 weight that this film is lifting because mm-hmm. it should be lifting more and if it's not getting recognition for trying mm-hmm. then we should try to give it more recognition can i can i push you further sure a book can be important though yeah <laughs> so <I have> a, <laughs> absolutely can music just be a, important it's just a medium here uh, that to me you? yeah okay uh, well no i mean i think that this idea the way it's applied mm-hmm. is that you know somebody makes a dramatic film mm-hmm. of a historical event this, by the way, is going to be the thing that most people are going to push back at me on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get my, I get the tongue lashing from yeah, this. This will be what gets you yeah, canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after <laughs> everything else, this is it. Um, yeah, of course it can. I mean, it, it, I don't, wouldn't put the sort of Bible next to, you know, the Central Park Five movie. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things that are of historical importance and necessary to understand. But when there, these are things of an event, we should see this, and it's essentially tacitly acknowledging that our you know, society is full of dummies who don't want to read about it. Mm-hmm. So it's the only way we're going to wrap the dog's pill and cheese and smuggle them some information that they need. I just don't like this idea of always, you know, thinking that in a movie has to perform a function 
other than entertaining us. It's kind of like my version of the Milton Friedman saying, a, 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 you know, a company's only goal is to please its shareholders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it is like your job is to entertain people and you can do that and there can be quote unquote important messages. And I don't like the whole category because, you know, this is a funny thing about this is this article also because there's no one that can't be attacked because mm-hmm. also who was attacked backstage immediately after mm-hmm. was RuPaul. Mm-hmm. Which is incredible. Incredible. Incred- RuPaul's yeah. Drag Race. And, and this came from Essence, an Essence writer. Mm-hmm. who said the production staff, staff was n- not diverse enough. And then RuPaul, full credit RuPaul, <laughs> responds, <laughs> first of all, the host of our show, this is him talking about himself. Yeah. First of all, the host of our show is black, gay, and a drag queen. So check, <laughs> check, and check. <laughs> yes, there are lots of different types of people here. Diversity, it's important. Yes, yes. So at the end, it depends that, of course, it's important. But yeah. that's, that's also strikes me as someone saying it in the, in the way that most people would say it, is that diversity... Um, in its proper meaning is important to get mm-hmm. a bunch. You don't want to have a kind of monoculture inside of a writer's room. Mm-hmm. It's just going to produce less interesting stuff. Although as, as we all know, um, and is always worth mentioning, genuine diversity is certainly beyond just what people happen to look like the, the shape and shade of their genitalia, as I'm prone to saying, yeah. um, which reminds me before we transition to, to Ukraine and the president, um, I had the bizarre experience of writing to, and from the airport um, this past week, which is not so bizarre in and of itself, but both Uber rides, I end up traveling with um, recent immigrants to the country. One was from Haiti. Oh God, we got, um, we got Thomas the Friedman was, driving the fucking thing <laughs> tonight. Yeah. This, is, this is true. I was one, in was, the cab. one was from Haiti, um, and the other was um, from uh, Somalia, mm-hmm. like both of them. And we, we were just having conversations. And in both instances, we had conversations about politics. Um, in one instance, the guy in D.C. was listening to NPR, and I mean, with rapt attention, and he was listening to the coverage of the impeachment yeah. proceedings, and he was so angry. But in both cases, the conversations sort of started in different ways, went into politics, and ended on race. And I was surprised to have both of them introduce a conversation about race. I didn't start it. wasn't me. I know folks would probably expect it was. They, both neither, of them, neither of them were born in the U.S. Neither of them born in the U.S. Both did, did fairly they have, recent immigrants. Did they have like a, hard accents? Yeah, like, so did they have an American-type influenced vision of race? That precisely. Uh-huh, and it was like really surprising to me. And they both it seemed to kind of grapple with the concepts pretty awkwardly. Like the one guy um, who was taking me to the airport here in New York um, said something along... He asked me, have you ever experienced racism? And you can imagine like that this just just began in a really unwieldy conversation. By the way, by the way, can I just quickly interject? I think Uh, that's a very, that's a very immigrant um, question mm -hmm. because I think that nobody at, uh, that is asking questions uh, of RuPaul backstage from Essence Magazine would ask you that Mm. because there would be a presumption that you had. Mm -hmm. And if you said that you hadn't, that's giving you the option to say, no, I haven't. That wouldn't occur to anyone else. But he went on, but he went on to cite the litany of things that one would expect you to cite. If you were talking about America in 2019 and the role of racism and what it's like to be a black person in America. And both of them sort of had that, that sense of themselves, or at least talked about themselves in that way. Um, throughout the course of our conversation, they, they sort of seem to introduce a bit more complexity and nuance mm-hmm. into the conversation and were willing to agree with me on certain things. But I was surprised um, that both conversations had that element, but that both of them also seem to embrace this notion of imagining themselves as, as that, as a black man mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. 
um, in precisely the way that the, 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 the common parlance has sort of evolved with respect to how people talk about race and identity. Um, so it was a little, a little disconcerting for me, although both conversations were rewarding. I, I nearly always have interesting conversations on the way to the airport with the folks who drive. Yeah, because you have time. Because I'm a nice guy. No, but it's also you have time. You know, like, nice. I, I always People like get, to talk to no, me. No, they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. I get routinely get emails asking if, if they paid a premium, could they get a podcast without you in it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can figure it out. That I probably just, happens. I mean, if we can, that I, probably happens. I, I said, like, do that. And you're, frankly, you're nicer to strangers. I'll collect the, I'll collect the money. It's true. I mean, look, if we can, if we can do fucking deep fakes, get rid of Camille. It's not going to be a hard thing. Speaking of deep fakes. By the way, quickly, I say that, come on, here we go. Here we go. That's pretty good. Here we go. But I know you're going to be, you're going to be all fucking Trumpy. Don't be all Trumpy on this one he's a, he's a bad guy oh, um no i always found this i, I found this in a cab uh yesterday uh-huh. um a very surly man who picked me up uh and you know why he was surly because mm. i was in a yellow cab and mm. they don't fucking care and there's literally no recourse so true, true it was facts. hot and it was one of those um minivan ones so uh-huh. it was like it was like being in an execution chamber uh-huh. in the back uh-huh. and um he was like you know wouldn't like you know acknowledge me and like grunted something about which exit on the bq you had to get off of yeah and then i realized he was like leaning in and listening intent- intently to bbc world service <laughs> and it's like so funny because every time you get into a cab and it's like it, it it's the hilarious vision that people have of immigrants as these, you know, freeloaders that come in. You know, the immigrants that you deal with um, in New York uh, is everyone is, of course, like extremely hard to have nine jobs. Yeah. The only lazy people I meet in this is uh, this city are my friends and <laughs> all of their friends. They all have nine jobs. But it's, it's I always think it's funny, too, is that, you know, you always have it's the same. In Europe, the version is like you get a guy who picks you up in a cab and he's like a Syrian neurosurgeon. Right. Uh, and it's the same thing here is like, oh, you know, back in my country, I, you know, ran the Ministry of Finance. And now I'm just, you know, trying to send my kids to school and they're listening to like a book on tape about like, you know, monetary policy or something. That's always the fun thing. It's never the Thomas Friedman thing. It's just like watching what they're consuming. It's always that like, there's always a book on the on the, on the, the seat or a magazine and the things on some angry French broadcast from some local Haitian station I, where they're calling for a coup. I'm sure I had a cab home from late night at work uh, covering the Democratic debate about two weeks ago with a uh, Iranian probably would describe himself as Persian full on Trumpist. Like angry <laughs> as hell, constantly. <laughs> yeah. uh, there, I have a. Uh, I, I saw my. When he found out I worked in politics. He was. He, I shouldn't have said that. I should have just said I. I, I don't. I work in math. Oh, cover, uh, cover politics. Cover, cover yeah. politics. Yes, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, this is true. We, I was on a shoot once uh, with my producer. I hadn't seen in a long time. It works for the New York Times, and I saw her the other night. And we were laughing so hard because we had four cab drivers in this like two week shoot, uh, two of whom were black. And both of them were Trump supporters and two were white. This is both in Boston. And they were like, like fanatically anti-Trump. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly the opposite of anybody w- would think. And it was always, it's always the same thing is that if you look at these anti-immigrant websites, right? Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this here before, like V-Dare. Mm-hmm. They're like racist. They're all like non-Americans. <laughs> it's like run, started by Peter Brimlow, who's British. You know, John Derbyshire is British. All these others, like half these people. T- tons of the alt-right types are Canadians. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very, very strange. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, th- this was always the drawbridge thing. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, I should be the last immigrant. Let's pull up the drawbridge. We, you know, I got here legitimately, and these people are taking from me. Mm-hmm. You f- find that when I did a, a, a story in, in Sweden, and I found a lot of um, people uh, who are voting for the Sweden Democrats who were 
immigrants from probably about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of them were Iraqi Christians that mm-hmm. came at the beginning of the Iraq war 10, 15 years ago and um, really didn't want um, like refugees from Afghanistan. They found them very, very different. And we tend to lump them all in. It's like, well, they're all immigrants. They all like each other. Not at all. I mean, Lebanese Christians, as we well, know, that's, hardcore, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. Janine Pirro is one of those. My is she? Lebanese American. Yes. Oh, yeah. along with Piro, Piro is her ex-husband's last name. Along with Casey Kasem, also that's right. Is that right? Yeah, and, Casey and Kasem. Jamie huh. Farr, uh, Dick Dale, the guitar player, Frank the, Zappa, the, half half Lebanese, half Sicilian, yeah, so very yeah. hairy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Please, speaking if, of very hairy, if you're if you are a spokesman for the Lebanese American Anti Discrimination League, <laughs> please direct your ire and mail to Anthony Fisher. I said Sicilian, which I'm I'm partially Sicilian, so you're, I can do that too. You're fucking ginger. You're you're not. It's, it's not. There's literally the only gingers there are in Sicily are like Italian, like not true. Irish workers. Not true. They're like people who own pubs there. <laughs> uh, you want to do a transition? Do a transition. No. Uh, let's talk about the Donald Trump thing. Uh, we've got a bizarre situation, or not so bizarre, because this is the Trump administration, and this has been going on for some time, and this is kind of what you would expect uh, involving the president on a phone call with the newly elected president of Ukraine. Um, questions swirling around the president and whether or not he is using his position to uh, perhaps benefit himself, perhaps denigrate um, one of his uh, opponents uh, by directing the president of Ukraine to dig up some dirt mm-hmm. on vice president, former vice president and now presidential um, nominee candidate uh, Joe Biden. Uh, who at some point in the past has said, um, has admitted publicly um, that he helped uh, pressure um, the Ukrainians to get rid of someone who was involved in some investigations, who himself had some nasty allegations swirling around him and was apparently uh, by almost every reputable report I've seen a very bad dude, um, but who at the time happened to be investigating his son, Hunter Biden. Um, Hunter Biden, who... Is a member of the Biden clan, um, along with his, uh, I guess, his uncle, Joe's brother, um, and his other brother who's passed away, um, all of whom have been involved in the family business in some way, shape, or form, which the family business appears to be being somewhat tangentially related to Joe Biden and either obtaining some elected office or enriching yourself financially uh, by dealing with various people in different businesses and There were questions uh, about Hunter because he had a job working for um, a – obtained a job working for a Ukrainian oil-producing company. Working is a is a is a rather fancy word for what he was doing. Working for and I guess consulting. Consulting for them. in the in, um, but in, consulting again. <laughs> in, in his capacity as again, as a lawyer, son of Joe Biden, cashing or, checks, or maybe as yeah. a lawyer. That, that, well, but it's that, not clear. That's it's not clear what his role there was. Yeah. There was um, no role, and he had no is, expertise. In, what is clear is that there was some scandal there and some questionable conduct there at that particular firm, um, and um, the 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 closeness of the relationship there. Um, necessarily created some questions, so much so that this was reported in the New York Times, which obviously is not um, a, a, a explicitly conservative sort of scandal rag. Um, so for them to be covering it suggests that there are real questions there. Um, and for some time now, I, I gave a big setup, but for some time now, the president, along with Rudy Giuliani, who is now his uh, principal uh, legal 
Pitbull um, and his chief defender in the national news media have been talking up the prospect of yeah. there being some insidious scandal related to Joe Biden and the way that his family has seemingly enriched themselves uh, in different ways, either in their dealings with China or their dealings with Ukraine. And the president has said publicly and apparently privately that Joe Biden should be investigated. Mm -hmm. And on this phone call, apparently he said the same thing. This came to light because a whistleblower um, sent in an official complaint. And now we find ourselves um, in the midst of very, very intense um, scrutiny uh, from the Congress, from the Senate in particular, um, but also the House, uh, mostly Democrats who are saying that we are definitely going to open an impeachment investigation. Some Republicans. And too. some Republicans ben, who are ben also, been, also been there as well. Um, and, and I will say this, guys, uh, and to open it up and to get away from the, the setup that perhaps is a little boring because at this point most of you know this stuff. I think you do it well. This does seem to me, like pretty dodgy. It's dodgy when yes. the president of the United States is talking <laughs> yes. to one yeah. of his counterparts, yeah. a, a, another national leader who is suspending these funds two days before they get on the phone. By the way, I want to hear the call uh -huh. because from reading this, this kind of truncated version, uh -huh. uh -huh. Zelensky is like, this guy, is this guy fucking serious? <laughs> well, well, think, think about this. That, those are the notes from the, the White House. The, yeah. yeah. the pro-White House yeah. notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Zelensky, it's not a Zelensky yeah. is funny because he's like, I want to call you and congratulate you on the election. And he's like, it, you know, there are parliamentary elections. It's not, you already called me when I won the presidency. And remember, Zelensky is a funny guy because yeah, he's a comedian, he was a comedian uh -huh. and he had a show and the show was about becoming like a comedian becoming president mm -hmm. and then he replicated it in real life which is mm -hmm. actually quite cool but um the first thing that is being lost in this is the unbelievable scumbaggery of hunter biden i don't mm -hmm. believe he did anything illegal as far as i can tell i haven't seen any evidence of that but for five years, mm -hmm. he sat on the board of a Ukrainian oil company, uh -huh. having no expertise in oil or Ukraine. No. And, um, you know, this is a Ukrainian oil company, by the way, quite quite important when you, you look at, you know, Russia, which controlling oil flowing um, westwards and can like, you know, d d turn a spigot and make things very difficult for Western Europe. I mean, it's a very important position for the oil company. In mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so, important to note when Biden was on that. Board. 2014, 2019. Yeah. So, right? so at the time prior yeah. to yeah. the yes. revolution. Yes. Yeah. So this is, uh, and it's a very bad thing too. Um, and it, it is $50,000 a month mm -hmm. upwards of, which means it's probably about that. So if you do the math on that, that's a $3 million that's position. A lot of money. Yeah, for doing nothing. It's a right? lot of money. And so, uh, you know, Donald Trump, and I, I think the only thing I've, can remember saying positive about anything on his campaign platform was um, this idea of banning people from from going from government service into lobbying because there are people that basically do this and go mm -hmm. you know make contacts for two years in Congress and mm -hmm. then create these like really shady lobbying firms. Um, you know, look, you do whatever they want. I know that that's probably not a smart idea, banning people from doing that. I like the instinct of it because I hate those people so much. I think mm -hmm. they're disgusting. Mm -hmm. And there's so many of them in D.C. It's just full of vultures. It's, you know, the Casablanca vultures, vultures everywhere. And that's, and Biden is one of those. I mean, if somebody offered me that position, I would probably take it. And, but I would, I would <laughs> immediately assume Oh, my father's vice president. It was currently his vice president. Right. Maybe they want something from me. <laughs> Maybe we should talk to my dad about this. He's like, you know what? Like, like, try to earn your money, right? Try to. So on two ends, this is what it seems like to me. 
it too, on both ends of this, it seems like people scratching a lottery ticket, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the Democrats in, in, in Congress are uh, keep on waiting for that silver bullet for impeachment. Mm-hmm. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to like, all right, this is going to be one. This is going to be one. And it's like, no, it's better to get a job and work to earn money than to just keep on buying lottery tickets and scratching them away and mm-hmm. hoping you'll become a millionaire mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's going to backfire mm-hmm. and it has been backfiring so far. And on the other end, that is the same thing as Trump. I mean, there is no evidence that this prosecutor was fired because of in, you know, any investigation into right. Hunter Biden. Right. And it seems that around this time he was fired that any investigation into the oil company was actually dormant. But mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to matter to anyone. But it's like everyone's trying, like, I'm going to get Biden on this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'll tell you what. The, the thing about Watergate that was interesting is the actual machinations of Watergate, people still don't understand, right? It takes a while to get what was going on, you know, you know, the Operation Gemstone and the plumbers and mm-hmm, John Mitchell mm-hmm. being th- thrown in jail and, you know, right. you know, all these Cubans and see, it's a complicated story. The only thing that really resonated there, mm-hmm. and, you know, Ben Sass is not exactly what Barry Goldwater was, who was one of the first people to walk over to the White House in um, 1974 and say, Mr. President, you have a big problem. You have to get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, there's some rumblings on the right. This is a very bad look. Mm-hmm. But of course, the what will happen, I think, if, is if this does go somewhere dark and somewhere, because look, any day, we're in the middle of this, any day, something bad can happen. Something worse can happen. More information can come out. It's usually drip, drip, drip. That's the most effective. You know what you're doing in politics. But look, lying about this stuff is, and again, this is what people don't realize that did in Nixon. If you talk to any young person who's reasonably well informed, but not a political junkie, they'll say, yeah, like Nixon broke into the what? No, he, the, Nixon had no knowledge of this. <laughs> but he, the, you know, and that's where we get the phrase cover ups wasn't the crime. Yeah. And if they're trying to, you know, take this document and put it from one um, where it's supposed to be to a secure server. And like, look, I hear conservatives out there saying like, well, you know, the president has supreme power to classify declassify. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're actively taking something and moving it, it's the actual gesture of saying, we don't, we mm-hmm. want to make sure that people cannot see this. But even, even still, I believe there are still questions about that. That's Whether true. Whether or not this that, was absolutely not true. procedure for the White House now, yes. who has multiple times now had transcripts of calls or details of calls exactly. with other foreign leaders. Yeah, the place to the leaks press. like a sieve. So, yeah. They they perhaps have taken steps to generally now yeah. classify these conversations. I don't know if that's the case. But the, here's a question but for, for someone me. someone in the for someone who was in the know and heard that conversation to hear it and say, God, you, I wish you hadn't said that. Um, for them to classify that call afterwards, I, I could totally believe it. And for the president I, I or someone around him to say, Hey, you know what we'll do? We'll we'll totally put their money on the on the side and we'll but mention it to them more than a little casually that we would like for them to take a look at this Biden thing sure. and that Giuliani and Barr are going to be giving you a call. I'm going to put you in touch. Talk to them. I could totally believe it. Well, I could this, totally buy it. We're, we're I could also believe that it's just sort of extemporaneous Trump Well, that's the thing. being Trump of on course, the phone. This is Trump's razor, right? Uh-huh. I mean, because this is, this is the thing, is that, you know, if you're going to do something like that, don't have 20 people in the room. <laughs> they literally have 20 people. Like Someone if, writing down all the things you're saying. literally 20 people in yeah. the room. I mean, you can do back channel if you need to. Uh-huh. But there's the Trump's razor thing is that, you know... Th- the guy is so dumb mm-hmm. and so reckless that what one would presume there would be some tradecraft here right. and some OPSEC right, right. That, that you don't get that with him because he's a doddering old fool, right? But considering so, he's been saying this for months yeah, preceding the, the call, the problem, you know what he the, wants. Okay, the problem is not that. <laughs> and, and by the way, it's quite clear that the Ukrainians thought 
that that's what they were after in a quid pro quo way. Uh-huh. Because we don't understand why. I mean, we, you can't talk about the story without talking about the fact that military aid was mysteriously held mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. By the way, this is actually a question for people who are Russia conspiracy theorists. We're, the Trump administration is giving military aid to Ukraine? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, All right. right. I thought we were, I thought, <laughs> I thought this was a Kremlin well, operation. Right. Putin's puppet. Maybe it's enormous, uh, you know, misinformation campaign. But that is the problem, right? Mm-hmm. That's the quid pro quo. I mean, if, I mean, you know, Napolitano was on, you know, bang on, has created some sort of fight, some internecine fight at Fox News between Shepard Smith and Tucker Carlson about this stuff. Because, uh, uh, you know, um, Napolitano was saying like, yeah, he, he did something illegal. If there is a quid pro quo there, if mm-hmm. that, you know, that's illegal. Right. And, you know, impeachable. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that yet. So it's a wait and see thing. But either way, it's your job in a way as a, as a president to not consistently get yourself in these situations. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Like the, the transit where you hear that call, it's, it's like he's such a dunce. Yeah. And this stuff is inevitably going to happen, yeah, even if yeah. he doesn't mean it. Well, yeah. think about it. It was, it was, it's now months. That call is July. It's months after the Mueller report has come out, and mm-hmm. this is how he's talking. Right. He, know, he knows everybody's looking for any excuse to reboot you know, yeah. a conspiracy. You, you mentioned the Mueller report, though. Mm-hmm. The very first thing the president mentions mm-hmm. is the crowd strike mm-hmm. thing, yeah. which is actually it's, – it's difficult to understand what the hell he's talking about. Yeah. But he seems to be suggesting that there – he seems to be invoking this crowd strike related conspiracy theory that the – some – rich shadowy ukrainian owns crowdstrike yeah. and has the hillary clinton dnc email servers dude get over it, it. Is it's insane goofy. yeah it's like, what is goofy. wrong with it like you won it's i know i'm surprised too still <laughs> but just like it's, could you stop it's, the servers it's nearly three years later uh-huh. and he's bringing this up in a brief and that's the thing this conversation short this is the first thing he <laughs> yeah. asked for when he yeah. says I, could you do me a favor those yeah. emails. <laughs> yeah. Can you find the email? By the way, what does this tell you about Donald Trump? Uh-huh. It's, it, it actually, like, it's so funny. If you go back to early episodes of the show, we're probably debating the 4D chest thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's so funny. Well, there, was nev- there was never much of a debate. There was never much of a debate on that. Yeah. But, but there's still out there. Some uh-huh. people think that, uh, you know, the people at American He's Greatness Magazine ahead. or something. Yeah. But the thing that's really funny about it is this guy, you think he's doing this you know, build a wall right, or, right. or, you know, get the emails, just yeah. to, like rally people up. And it reminds me of that old, really old, um, Phil Hartman sketch where he's Reagan and oh. he's talking to the young kids and he's like, well, kids. And then they leave and he's like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. Screaming and like being a psychopath. And, like you think that that's kind of, maybe yeah. that's Trump. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, this is a conversation is that it. no one was supposed to hear. Yeah. And he's still that guy. Yeah. He's still that dummy. He's always the same. He's always the same. Yeah. And I look, if that's going to be that, that brings him down, I mean, you know, it, it, this is like having a complete conversation about Watergate two days after the story broke in the Washington Post, because there are books coming out now that are still fairly enlightening about what happened at Watergate. Yeah. So do I think it's that scale? No, who knows? It could be. But yeah. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't seem to be now. But it's everything is going to come and everyone should calm down and stop scratching their lottery tickets mm-hmm. and think they're going to get rid of a president or get rid of a contender with this one thing. Can I have one question? Uh-huh. Are you guys uh, – I'm, I'm kind of stunned at how fast this all happened. 
Like, consider, how fast this story has developed? Yeah, that we've gone from this call, mm-hmm. the, the, the revelation of this call, to an impeachment inquiry. Like it's mm-hmm. it's been less than a week, and and even though Mueller la- lasted two and a half years. Oh, mm-hmm. but but I mean, but the, look, the the you know I had a, a conversation with uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi's daughter. I think I talked about it here one time when she bit my head off and like mm-hmm. yeah, Alexandra, the Dutch filmmaker. Uh, no, uh, the other one. Okay. Um, uh, the really mean one, uh, she, who, who was like, I said, look, you know, AOC and these Rashida Tlaib and these people saying, you know, get on board with impeachment and you're not, and she like, like launched into me and it's like, you know, we're doing this deliberately. And it's like, we're not going to waste. Our blah, blah. Um, and she also denied that this was actually a thing, that this mm-hmm. was actually a scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially now is that, you know, you have, they've been waiting and like, okay, can we drop this on Nancy? Can we drop this on Nancy? Can we give right. her something? Like, this will push Nancy. Right, right. And like, th- is this going to be the one? And, you know, they sat in that room a couple of days ago and said, we're going to announce something at four o'clock or five o'clock. And everyone was reporting that before they even had reliable information that that was what she was going to do. Because everybody knew that it just took one more thing to push her because there's, I mean, they have a majority in the House now mm-hmm. that are in favor of this. So it's not a, it's not a small number. The, there's one thing, well, two things. First, going around the table, and I'm cheating because I know I've done this already. Does anyone think right now, today, this is what, uh, September 26th? Uh, sure, you want to put the date at 2 p.m.? Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Um, do you think this is the thing that finally destroys the Trump administration, given what we know today? I mean, uh, if I fire up the Drudge Report. I'm sure they're blaring if you, headlines if you, about how bad Drudge, it is. Drudge, by the way, Drudge, Drudge seems to not be on the side of Trump on not this at one, all. as far for, as I can for tell. Some time, yeah, yeah. For some time now, actually. Yeah, if, yeah. Is the question, will he be impeached and go to trial, yeah. or is, will he be removed from office? Will he be impeached and removed from office? Because that's the outcome that I they want. I think he here. may be impeached. Uh-huh. I don't think he will be removed from office. I, I agree. And I think that, that, you know... Because he won't leave, because no, this is the it beginning. Doesn't, it doesn't have... I mean, think about the fact, how many conversations do we have about the Mueller stra- stuff and all these thin reads mm-hmm. out there. I'm like, I remember that, like that Frank four piece about, you know, a server in like Russian DNS things. And it's forwarding mm-hmm, to this mm-hmm, bank. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and that's not, and people are like, no, 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 it's not you misunderstanding it. There's a lot of thin reads like that. It's like, it doesn't take much mm-hmm. that precipitated a three year investigation, right? Yeah. More or less. Yeah. And you know, this stuff actually to my ear already sounds worse. Yeah. I mean, it already sounds worse. And like, you just, it seems instinctually that to do, to go to a, a foreign leader, a foreign comedian leader, mm-hmm. by the way, you have the reality show host talking to the comedian, by the way. This mm-hmm. is where we are in this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and everyone's it's like, fabulous. you know what? You know, I, like, I know a lot of uh, libertarians out there. Other people, you know, we don't need these professional politicians. Like, now I'm like, oh, God, yeah. I miss these professional politicians. <laughs> also, <laughs> and also not not, not, this is not a, I know. This is not punching below the belt, but the comedian speaks far more eloquent English. Of course. Than the, that's, the American-born president. That's true of 98% <laughs> of uh, European leaders, too. Sure. It's always the exception of the French one who's always like going to be a jerk. Um, it's like, we're the lingua franca, dude. You lost. Don't, don't, stop it. Like, why are you denying reality? It's us. The, the one, the one Sorry, detail French of people, this I that I find... Particularly um, in Manuel. <laughs> well, two details of this that I find particularly interesting, then we can move away from this, is one, when and you mentioned at some, a moment ago that at the end of the day, this, this scandal could, I think you said this, that this scandal could turn out to be worse for Joe Biden, which... Mm. Yeah, well, it, it could it very be. well could. It could be. It could be. Because yeah. for the past several days, the president has been laying out all of the charges against Joe Biden, his allegations um, on the, the global stage, again, for everyone to hear. And everyone is listening with rapt attention yeah. in some way, shape or form to him 
alluding to Joe Biden being involved in some sort of corruption with the Chinese and um, with Ukrainians. And I, I don't know. He's getting it's, it's the, so, it's the so charges are getting a hearing. Low, low info voters. All they're going to hear is mm-hmm. that Biden and Hunter Biden are up to no good. It's, and it's the, Clinton it, cash it's, all over. It, it, again. Yeah, exactly. And there's no one doing this. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're like Biden's going to have to wear this for the rest, it, whether it's fair or not. He's going to have to wear this for the rest of the time he's a candidate. Because, yeah. um that's that's just how it works. The, uh, Trump's got the bully pulpit. Hunter Biden's stuff is at least questionable enough to be a little stinky. And which that's the other thing. If, if it was Donald Trump Jr. Yeah. who had worked for some Ukrainian outfit, he yeah. probably does. Like, yeah. but, but we're if all too, he was, we're all too if he was down actively to doing yeah. it while the president was in office, I mean, we've had a lot of conversations nationally about the the fact that the Trump organization is like secret services staying in Trump properties and he's enriching himself in that particular way because of all of his various business entanglements. These are legitimate concerns, but that was going on during the Obama administration. And quite frankly, I just don't know that most voters were aware of it or paid very close attention. And there's something about the the particular brand of like hair splitting controversies that instead of the president, some hair splitting, some just ridiculous, absurd, over the top controversies. But when Joe Biden says, for example, I never talked to my son about his dealings in Ukraine and his son says in a reported piece, well, yeah, I talked to my dad about it. And he said to me, I hope you know what you're doing at a minimum. This is well, it's I think not he, true that you uh, never uh, yeah, yeah, talk yeah. to your I mean, son. that's, uh, that's but that too. would be enough. These but that's the sure, point. Sure. That would be enough these yeah. days to say the president lied. Sure, sure. I mean, no, well, I don't think that anyone cares that the president lies because he lies with such frequency that I'd barely noticed. And, mm-hmm. you know, we forget these things that were would have been major scandals 20 years ago, mm-hmm. um, a day later. But, you know, and to correct something on Anthony, it was after the revolution, actually, that he joined the board, um, that he was not he was not a um, a stooge of the pro-Russian okay. side. So Pardon. it's it's uh, Got after, fact checked. Uh, after the revolution. But but the um, the thing about it is that there were uh, people within the Obama administration mm-hmm. that raised concerns about Joe Biden's That's right. influence on U- Ukrainian policy. And, and the Joe's fact pretty that, incensed that they're... That they're yeah, I mean, they were justified in, in saying so. Mm-hmm. And that is a scandal in the sense that your son, while you're president, a major, a major fissure has, you know, opened... In particularly in Russia relations with the United States, where we're going to fund the rebels, mm-hmm. you know, the Donbass, et cetera. I mean, everything's going crazy at the time. And you're going to join a board of an, an oil and gas company in Ukraine at an enormous dollar amount. I would still object to it or mm-hmm. say that something smells not right if he did it on a f- basis of pro bono. He's like, I'm right. just going to do it. Right. It's like, no, if he had no, no, expertise no. in energy. Yeah, and if he had expertise in energy, like maybe I'd still be like, well, your dad's setting policy here. Yeah. So probably not. And, and, and not just kind of setting policy. He was the tip of the, he was the tip of the spear, of the spear for the Obama administration. Uh, okay, in Ukraine. Yeah. And, and look, this is, I mean, we have a crowd of people of a particular vintage, um, younger people that some of them I work with don't remember this, mm-hmm. but flooding the streets saying, you know, no blood for oil. Now, that was particularly hmm. about, uh, uh, you know, uh, voluntary, um, unnecessary, offensive, aggressive war. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, slightly different. But that said, is that there is a war roiling in Ukraine and somebody is benefiting from that within the administration Via oil, 
I mean, that's kind of yeah. the, what you're talking about, right? And when the no blood for oil thing happened in, in, in Iraq, the American oil companies didn't get any of those oil contracts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, if the Iraqi, those companies uh, in Iraq, if they, they were not hoping for a war, they just were hoping the sanctions to be lifted. Yeah. If you wanted to benefit the oil companies, it would have taken the, the stroke of a pen to get rid of those sanctions, right? So that was always, I think, kind of mistaken, this idea of no war for oil. Mm-hmm. In this case, there is a war going on. It's not the one we're directly involved in, but you have the son of the president sitting on the board vice I mean, president. good god sorry vice president mm-hmm. sitting on the board you really got mad at that fact check didn't you um, <laughs> I was trying uh, to help yeah, you yeah 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 help me out yeah, <laughs> thanks I appreciate that a mini stroke um, but yeah you know I mean this is this is not the blood or war for oil but it's, it's, it's it just doesn't it doesn't yeah. sit well it, anyway, it, doesn't, anyway. it doesn't smell good so yeah. but but to be but to be clear the scandal at this point is not uh, Joe Biden it, the, the targets of virtually everyone are they are leveled squarely on the president of the united states and we will see if uh, teflon don manages to get out of this one um greta we should talk about um greta thunberg D- Moynihan, you know how to pronounce do, her do the sweet do the sweet no thunberg yeah, B-E-R-G in, in swedish is, yeah. isn't berg it's, yeah. it's 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 pronounced like it's a fruit better yeah be, like like you're getting a berry or something yeah. Yeah. Um, well, she, this is the young lady who yeah, visited the UN this This, this week, is asking for it. By and the way. she and she brought the heat, the Jeremiads that mm-hmm. she uh, leveled, not not merely at the audience that was present there, but at everyone in the world, saying explicitly that if we don't do something immediately, they will never forget us. And I imagine she was talking to me directly. She won't. We, we will me, never forgive you, which yeah, I'm fine yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do spend most of my time trying to please 16 year old Swedes, uh-huh. but it's for, <laughs> for totally, different, totally different reasons. Um, that was inappropriate. Um, uh, yeah, good. but the, you know, the thing that to talk about here, I think, is mm-hmm. not even the content of what she said, which I think is in some ways completely bonkers because um, you know it is. I mean, to to talk so blithely about growth mm-hmm. and like you achieving and what growth has done mm-hmm. for so many people and lifting them out of poverty and yeah, a- allowing yeah. them to live yeah. in this world and not to die in this world yeah. is something that is worth pointing out. Um, and particularly it's somebody from Sweden, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, you get to say who cares about growth because right. you live in a very wealthy Precisely country right. yeah. um, like Sweden. Um, but the, the the hard thing about this for me is just the way we're all being set up mm-hmm. is there's a video online made by Australian, uh, the public broadcaster in Australia. It's like a, it's like a funny video. And um, if we had video for our podcast, you could see me doing the air quotes, <laughs> funny video. Um, and it's uh, like a helpline for people who are like, uh, you know, oh, freaked that. out yeah, yeah. By, by Greta conservatives yeah. freaked out by yeah. Greta. You know, I don't count myself a conservative. Yeah. Um, I'm not freaked out by her. I think I'm sad by the whole thing, to be honest. I mean, when I see a 16-year-old girl crying like that and apocalyptic in a way that I personally, who cares about this stuff and, and reads about the science and absolutely believes in the, the mainstream um, opinion on the science, mm-hmm. um, that I don't believe that that reaction is justified. But mm-hmm. okay, you're mm-hmm. allowed to have that. You've destroyed my future. Yeah, it's really... You've stolen it's, it's, everything But if you watch that and you don't have a visceral reaction that is not clapping mm-hmm. i think that's the right reaction to have because mm-hmm. what are we supposed to do we're completely handcuffed to say this debate now is going to be run in the public sphere 
by this admittedly very, very bright uh, 16-year-old Swedish girl. Mm -hmm. And if you disagree with her, we're going to make funny videos about how you're a jerk and a Mm -hmm. conservative because you're like freaking out about her. It's like, no, not, I, I mean, maybe some people do. I don't know. There's always a Laura Ingram that can, you know, be the, the exception that <laughs> yeah, creates there, there the are, role. There are people free. Of course, yeah. of course. But, you know, We're that's, not that. there, no, there's Nobody's not, I, I don't think there are many of them, to yeah. be honest. But, you know, we always lead with, you know, the one guy who made a comment on Instagram yes. is, is the world. But it is cynical in the sense that you put a 15, 16 year old uh, girl out there who cannot possibly you know, think of yourself when you're 15, 16, even if you're, I mean, she has autism and she suffers from um, depression. She had an eating disorder. Um, tough, tough. Her parents are well-known in Sweden, by the way. Her, mm-hmm. her mother was like a Eurovision song contest woman. Her father, I think, is an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she grew up in a, a, a life of, I, I would say, relative privilege. But, you know, putting your daughter out there, because you are doing that. Mm-hmm. She is not. I mean, it's like when people say, like, kids shouldn't be eating at McDonald's. It's like, kids don't have money. You're giving them money. You're mm-hmm. allowing them to do it. Unless they have jobs, that's when they have... You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is the point at which this is a path that if if I chose myself at 16, my parents wouldn't allow me to choose that. Particularly if I had the issues that she's she's talked very openly and I think, you know, very honestly about. But I think it's a real trick in a way that if you want to engage her in the debates... And if you can say that, like, that is, I mean, hysteria in the sense that mm-hmm. if there was somebody on television, on CNN, who was nearly in tears about this subject and jabbing their finger in the air and saying that other people were destroying their future, I, you would get a pretty ferocious response. If imagine she, if that she back and forth. she was six years older. If she was six so, years older. T- t- totally fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Yeah. But th- th- imagine that back and forth on television, if that happens, mm-hmm. right? There's going to be, that's what cable news is made for, yeah. right? But now you're like, guys, sit on your hands. She's 16. I'm like, but you're putting her out here. And now it's the rigged debate where I can't say anything. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I don't disagree with her. I think she's way too apocalyptic. I don't agree with her mm-hmm. in the sense that I think this is a very important issue, a very, very important issue. And I think there's a lot of people, particularly on the right, who have been blithe about it and stupidly dismissed it. And a lot of people mm-hmm. um, have come around that Matt Welch's colleague and, and, and my old friend who I haven't seen in a long time, but a great guy, Ron Bailey, um, wrote mm-hmm. a book called Eco Scam about how this stuff and came around and said, you know, look, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. The data is clearer now. And, and I think I was wrong, but there was a previous record of people being a little over the top about this stuff. So I took the side of being, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put words in Ron's mouth, but he was very smart about it. He wasn't a jerk about it. He wasn't being disingenuous. He wasn't being paid by some lobby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do think there's, he probably differs quite, quite strongly with that 16 year old girl. And he has a deep, well of knowledge in this stuff and it's not he can't debate her right Mm -hmm. let's say that her parents or her handlers allowed that what would that debate look like Mm -hmm. she's all passion and not she has she knows you know two degrees three degrees over 100 years and we have to reduce that by okay but the actual she'd wipe the floor with him she well (laughs) ron if you're listening that was camille um but, you know, or like Matt Ridley or these guys who um, are, you know, slightly, I think Matt Ridley's probably more skeptical than, than, uh-huh. than somebody like Ron. You get a Ben Shapiro who generally doesn't debate people over the age of 20. Uh, well, yeah, well, you know, have anybody debate her mm-hmm. and you would, people would be uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. So what is the purpose? 
she's out there to be i mean look when people said it looked slightly messianic mm-hmm. i i didn't i didn't i didn't disagree with them mm-hmm. because it was it was jarring thing to watch and to point out that it was a jarring thing to watch and you have to wonder like because what you do is you put yourself in that position. Would mm-hmm. I let my daughter do that? Would my parents have let me do that? And the answer, I think, in both cases, and maybe it's just me, is uniformly no. So I don't know. I just, I mean, yeah, I don't want to criticize a 16-year-old, but it's kind of like Chinese finger cuffs. Mm-hmm. I'd like to criticize or, one or, piece of media coverage about her. Asian finger cuffs. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what get fired from no SNL. There, there, was, there, there was one particular story that happened after her speech, which I'm sure you all saw, which was her giving the death stare to Trump when Trump walked past her. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I actually refused to allow that story to run on our site because – As you've said, she has been quite open about the fact that she has severe Asperger's, Mm -hmm. depression, and a host of other, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, um, physiological maladies. And those things kind of affect the way you look and hard stares, hard unbroken stares are part of those things. Exactly. So like, because there was a literally maybe 2.3 second video of her squinting as Trump walks past her and that's it. They don't make eye contact. Mm -hmm. People were literally like, slay Greta you you stare daggers at the yeah. at the evil Trump and yeah. and again you know this is no judgment on her or Trump or anything like that mm-hmm. but the media coverage of it which was in so many mainstream publications I found just viscerally distasteful mm-hmm. I just found I found it like forget about the fact that like it's kind of thumbing the scales on the merits of the arguments mm-hmm. this is exploitive this mm-hmm. she's a, she's a child all right by any metric she's a child she's a child with mental illnesses that she is struggling with and everybody is projecting these ideas upon her. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that that was gross. I think it is gross. And by the way, um, this is, (laughs) it's not about her, but this is, this is going to get, you know, this is maybe going on a limb here. Um, I, I, I have a friend, um, in Sweden who I, we, we have a lot of Swedish listeners, by the way, and um, they're very nice. No, we, we look at the map. There's always, I know, it's, I know. I've No, true. I, I love it because, you know, my, not my, Swede, talk about and my, my, my <laughs> Swede ties is that, is that, you know, all the English speaking countries and then the fifth is always, um, mm-hmm. is always, uh, I guess it's the fifth, is always uh, Sweden. Mm-hmm. But Six. there's a, um, there's a word for it and I have to remember it. I can't remember it. But it's essentially, this is the malady in Sweden of people who have anxieties because of the climate change. Mm-hmm. And, um, Joanna, you know, we had a friend who suffered from that and was really panicking all the time. Mm. Um, wouldn't travel abroad on planes and, um, was just really affected by it. And, mm. and it was, uh, you know, in her mind, it was very, it had a really bad effect on our life. And this mm-hmm. is a true story. And you can talk to uh, our mutual friend who, who knows this person very well, very well. And they went to school together. And it is much more prominent, the conversation. Um, and I think a lot of people would say that's a good thing in, in Sweden. And um, I think that I saw a bit of that in this, in this uh, conversation mm. about her. Mm. And I, cause I saw there was something in New York magazine that I sent you guys the other day and it was a pull quote. Um, and the pull quote in New York magazine was from her, a picture of her, a very nice, nicely fo- sh- uh, shot photograph. Is actually a very good photograph. I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. Yeah. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. That's not, that's not, that's not, that's good. not good. Yeah. That's not good. I, uh, look, we can solve these things. And mm-hmm. I think that there's, 
scientist, and I talked to one of the last pieces I did for for VNT was um, in uh, at the climate climate lab uh, at MIT. And those guys were given some scary projections, but they didn't, they weren't hopeless. They were, they were hopeful. That's right. And that's why we have these Paris meetings. And that's why all, all these scientists are working hard. And it's mm-hmm. not to say, I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be hopeful. What if everyone adopted that message? That'd be a pretty bad thing for everyone to feel. Yeah. But I, I, the only thing that I'll add is she invoked one of my least favorite uh, rhetorical devices, and I'm actually reading uh, Lee Camille, Smolin's. Camille, she's, she's, she's 16. She did, but I'm reading <laughs> Lee Smolin's uh, very good book, Einstein's Unfinished Revolution, which is about um, the deficiencies of the prevailing uh, prevailing scientific accepted wisdom? Yeah. scientific wisdom about uh, quantum mechanics. Um, and he at one point in the introduction of the book in the to the book uses the same device which is to say he says uh climate change shouldn't be a political issue like we shouldn't be talking about money and the hard choices and the trade-offs with this issue it's not about politics we just have to do the right thing mm-hmm. um and and this is this is just it's a bad argument it's necessarily necessarily a political issue there are necessarily trade-offs that have to be considered Money is always going to be a consideration and a concern because there are things that one has to give up if, in fact, you're making sacrifices with respect to greenhouse gases, greenhouse gas emissions or something else uh, because it does have a material impact on people's quality of life. Or, or their um, jobs. I mean, you saw Tom York from Radiohead. Say, Tom York from Radiohead is a big climate uh, campaigner. I uh, said, and by the way, good on him because mm-hmm. he said, you know, I'm a hypocrite. I fly everywhere for my job. Um, I tour the world and I talk about this stuff and I'm actually a hypocrite. And does it make anything better? I mean, hear people, I can hear the eye rolls, but you know, it's one step in the right direction when people actually acknowledge it. Mm. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio has never acknowledged that he and all of his buddies are taking their own Learjets to a climate summit. I mean, it's kind of silly, and you realize it's kind of a pose at that or point. Al Gore selling his network to the Kingdom of Qatar. That's that was a really mm. strange one. That was a really mm. weird one because you know when I, I did, that probably the most boring interview I've ever done with Al Gore, and I'm <laughs> hard I, to believe. I, I swear I, to God, I remember that. And he actually he did background research on me, and he's like, "So you lived in Sweden?" I'm like, "What? What are you doing? Get <laughs> the Secret Service dude feeding uh, your Wikipedia shit?" But you know, he's like, "Oh, I made my house this." that and the other carbon neutral zone. Mm. You know, but then again, don't sell current yeah, to for half a billion dollars. For half a billion dollars to, to, to the Qataris. Yeah. Anyway. So so what else have we left on the table? Oh, now yeah. I recall. Uh vaping. Moynihan, oh. can you can you talk to us about the latest uh related to this? Because you actually have a stake in this particular fight. Yeah, well, um I the only thing I'll say is that it's it's no, it's not the only thing I'll say. That's, terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> absolute bullshit. Just one thing. Just one thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then like the listeners come back after taking a shower and you know, <laughs> bake, making a turkey. <laughs> just like, are you still talking about this shit? Like, Do get cigarettes and stuff. <laughs> stop well, I might have to, by the way. Right. A lot of people are going to have to, particularly in Massachusetts, where um, the governor um, signed and it's being uh, challenged legally now. The Republican a, governor. The Republican governor. A Massachusetts Republican. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, it's the same thing in, in you know, Trump and the, the Trump's FDA is mm-hmm. out to lunch on this stuff. And they're banning all vaping products for four months, right? 
Is that is it is it all, all baby vaping products? Not not, not flavors. Not flavors. Just all everything for four months. Charlie Baker. Until I know. We can, until I, we can figure. I, this I know out. out there you were sitting going, "When's he going to do it?" Um, <laughs> can't stop vaping, dude. <laughs> Char- <laughs> Charlie kid. I got to get my fucking mango. <laughs> Who's got the mango? Um, so <laughs> so um, yeah. So so the mango. Um, yeah. So they're banning all of those products. A couple of things about this is that that the first thing is that this is probably the biggest case of media malpractice that I've seen in a very long mm-hmm. time. It's almost like it's coordinated. These people cannot be this stupid. But it is a great case study in how lazy the media is. And I have worked in the media. I've seen the way these s- stories get pumped out by 22-year-old kids who read other headlines and regurgitate the stuff. Vaping this, vaping that. The jewel is, jewel has not been tied to anyone going to a hospital anywhere. Ask yourself a question. Nobody has asked this question. This is killing people, right? You've mm-hmm. heard this. It's killing mm-hmm. people. And so all these shops that are selling legal vape products now have to go to business. They're going out of business in New York, because we'll get to that stupid law, and Massachusetts and other, other places, California, it's Michigan. happened. Michigan. Why wouldn't you think that the FDA would tell you the name of the product that they believe might be killing people. We don't know for sure, but here this person died and this is what they found in their room. It could have been these. Why haven't they done that? Because none of these are brand fucking names. Mm. These are things that people are getting off the street. They're like homebrew stuff. Jewel is not killing anyone. The ban is literally like the health version of Trump's we need a Muslim ban until we figure out what's going on. going on. Yeah, it's exactly uh-huh. right. It's a very uh-huh. good comparison. This is the vaping Muslim ban. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny because Anthony supports both. Um, it's, you know, but it is crazy. People say like the effects of this are so far and wide is that it has, nobody believes and I don't know why there's study after study that prove that this, this is not the case. Mm-hmm. And there's like a few old studies that su- suggested it, that people don't quit smoking from the, or their dual use is what they say. Oh, they're smoking cigarettes. That's fucking bullshit. I mm-hmm. know, I know nobody who dual uses quote unquote. I know a ton of literally dozens and dozens of people who quit smoking mm-hmm. on this. I quit smoking because of it. Mm-hmm. And if I cannot get it in New York, I will buy cigarettes. Because I'm not ready to not have nicotine right now. And we are not all the, I'm sorry, all, I'm all not. the deaths combined, all of them, everyone that's attributed to vaping is not even in four figures yet. Right? No, God, yeah. it's not, I don't, it's I don't not even, even I, it's, it's not even three figures, I don't think. I think, yeah. I think we're in three. If, if, you, if, if the most generous, really? uh, I, I believe. Oh, I, I didn't see it that high, but, but, but it's, it might be the case. That's, that's the point. And, but but mm-hmm. c- cancer from cigarettes, how, how many? How many things? No, I said this, I said this in the show before. The most dangerous mm-hmm. consumer product on the market is still legal. Mm-hmm. You can still sell it. Like, well, we banned flavors. My favorite one is somebody in Congress is saying, like, <laughs> you know, because the kids were getting flavors. That's not a real thing. When I was a kid, I was smoking malt. Bros. Yeah, I wasn't it smoking cool like nicotine feels good. Yes, That's I wasn't it. thinking. And it's so funny. Like, oh, we got the kids off the cigarettes, and now these came. And if it wasn't for these, kids would not be doing anything bad. Yeah. I mean, what do you, have, they, have they met kids? Yeah. Were they kids? Did they were they born at fucking forty years old? I don't. This, I mean, I, it's I, I, absolutely insane. I, it's it's it, dangerous the, too. The, the, the this is one of the times, and I and I try not to use these kind of phrases too much these days, but. This is the kind of time when bipartisanship should scare the shit out of you. Yeah, no, exactly, right. exactly right. It's and, amazing. And so yeah. we we have a friend mm-hmm. um, um, that we will not name, definitely not name, who um, told us one time that he had um, interviewed Rashida Tlaib. Mm-hmm. 
and mm. said that um, this is not a very hyper political guy and said uh, she's not particularly bright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched um, her congressional uh, mau mowing of a witness where she tried to establish the witness's politics. Yeah. Um, and the witness mm-hmm. said, I don't believe that to be relevant. She was actually quite smart and she's very poised. She, she and kept it cool. She kept it cool. And it was, and if you haven't watched this, it is so bizarre that these are the people, not only that are our elected officials, but these are the ones who are being celebrated routinely as Rashida Tlaib and the squad and the rest of it. And it, it was so bad at one point, she said, I mean, this is a blithering idiot from a state that is doing things and banning, mm-hmm. you know, flavored e-cigarettes. And I said, she said that secondhand smoke was quote, worse than directly smoking cigarettes. She, <laughs> she, she also, she said that there was science. She, yes. she, she yes. said there was scientific proof of this. <laughs> and she nearly started to cry while she was telling that she, yeah. she, she got emotional. And just before Why? Because she's so stupid. And she's like, I'm so sad just that be- I have this job and my brain is failing me. Just before that, she <laughs> accused the witness that she was, you know, hectoring, uh, winking, uh, yeah. of being a conspiracy theorist. Yes, out of nowhere. That was weird. Yeah, but based on no testimony. Yeah, and then because <laughs> the, the the witness apparently winked at somebody on the committee who she knows. Yeah, who she knows, and who she invited, and her. she explained yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, he invited me. Yeah, like Talib could not help but belabor the issue for like more than a minute. Like, why are you winking? What is that about? What's going on here? Is there is there a signal here? <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it's it is so ludicrous. <laughs> The claims that people make and the claims they can get away with because, you know, uh, like, you know, Jacob Selm's book, For Your Own Good, Uh is that provided they're doing it for the kids. It's no no coincidence that the major organization was, you know, the tobacco-free kids. Mm -hmm. They care about the kids. That's what they're always interested in, right? Mm -hmm. Because the kids are vaping and the kids weren't vaping before. And it's gone up from 21% to 28% of kids have tried it, you know. These are studies. And now all of a sudden they seize upon people dying from THC. You know, like bad vitamin E oils is what the, the the theory is right now. We don't know. And they seize on that and they say, oh, my God, now we can strike the death blow because we haven't been able to before. I interviewed a guy named Stan Glantz, who is me too, by the way, uh, who is a anti-vaping, anti-smoking activist. And um, he acknowledged to me, he said the best that if everybody he was crazy, I just disagree with him on everything. But he said, if everybody on Earth who smokes cigarettes switched to vaping, we would save millions of lives. He acknowledged that. That That's clearly. And then you have Rashida Tlaib saying that we're all going to die from smoking jewels and won't. Why can't we save the kids? Secondhand smoke is more dangerous than smoking a cigarette. That's I mean, there was a debate a long time ago of whether. Secondhand smoke was actually the same, even had an effect. Yeah. I mean, there was like I remember Stephen Brill. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Stephen Brill? Of course. He started Core TV and like mm-hmm. Brill's Brill's content. Was R- yeah, he wrote something for Brill's content of like saying the myth of secondhand smoking. So yeah, I mean it. It is bizarre, and as I think I said before, is that it is honestly like saying we have to ban Coca Cola products because a hundred people drank bleach and died. Mm-hmm. Well, they're both drinking, so we have to ban things that you drink. Well, I mean, Noah, the, Noah Rothman the, the, has been a guest on this show. Vaping is not all the same. Noah Rothman has been a guest on this show. He's a very smart guy. Uh, I thought wrote a very eloquent article for a commentary a couple of weeks ago where he described this as having all the hallmarks of a moral panic. It is a moral mm-hmm. it is totally yeah, a panic. panic. That, that it's, it's a vice because nicotine's a drug and people feel good over it. There must be some, you know, 
puppet master, nefarious force that is, you know, uh, fooling us all into taking this poison that will kill us all. And mm-hmm. it's only the the weak people, the people that need their drug that are going to endanger the rest of us. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a very incisive point. When, I mean, you, when you make those like yeah. weird hand motions around your nose when you say nefarious force, it makes me think that you're being anti-Semitic. I just want you to I know didn't that. even know that my hands were near my yeah. nose. I bet, your, I, I, I bet I, your Israeli wife knows. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> FYI. None of, us, none of us talk with our hands. Yeah, for, so, for, yeah. For those of you out there who are going to get into yeah. the conspiracy, I mean, I, I was, I was, I was like, <laughs> see, not, you know. you're making a hook motion. See, that's what I'm doing now. That's, do that's that. wrong. Yes, that's wrong. Yeah, but anti-Semitism is bad. Well, wow, this, thank you guys. Gosh. Yeah, cool. Yeah. We're against right, that here. Right in your on the face. fifth column. Yeah, in your face, Fisher. <laughs> uh, do we got anything else? I mean, we did. We, there? Uh, we, there was there was one that I think we uh, we should hit, uh, which was the uh, the um, the tweet tweet dumpster diving. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which which uh, yeah. If, if you don't mind, I'll tee this up and Please. you guys can kick it up. Please um, do. So because there, there were two uh, instances this this particular week where um, intrepid journalists decided that uh, people's old tweets were the most important thing to research and write about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one case, a uh, case that you flagged for me, Breitbart writer Harris Alec, I believe is how you pronounce the name. I don't it know. Because he right. didn't respond to my DMs. It doesn't matter. Um, He's a loser. He, uh, <laughs> he went after Jasmine Hughes, uh, a New York Times Magazine editor who's also been invited on this show to discuss uh, her work on the 1619 Project. But apparently she had some old tweets that some – Flirted with anti-Semitism. Many were overtly anti-white, um, but that's not really racist. I mean, some um, some didn't even flirt with anti-Semitism. Really? I mean, who is Beth Israel, and how does she have so many hospitals? I just like, think it's a bad trust joke. fund or what? lotto ticket. Yeah, it's a stupid, horrible joke. I know. It's, I mean, <laughs> you think that's anti-Semitic? It's, I know. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not. It's not. Right. It's just a dumb it's joke. Not, yeah, yeah. It's well, I, I, I thought you were going the other way. I no. you yeah, I thought you were too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's no, not no. anti-Semitic. It's just yeah, a that's dumb just, joke. Just yeah. Really stupid joke. No, it's ridiculous. Trevor Noah had worse tweets than that. And I will quote Seinfeld: "It offends you as a Jew." No, it offends me as a comedian. And that was Brian Cranston, I believe, was the yeah. Brian Cranston dentist, is dentist, uh, yeah, yeah, telling yeah, the bad jokes. Yeah, exactly. Who converted to Judaism for the <laughs> jokes? Great, great episode. So the other one though is the Des Moines Register. Who um, I, I mean, I don't, I, can't, I can barely unpack this thing. But there was a, some guy, some random guy, who held a sign at a football game asking people to donate money for him, and then he got a lot of Bush Light beer money. Uh, Whatever he became a viral thing, I missed the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But a, milkshake a, duck, yeah, exactly. Milkshake duck, as the Des Moines Register found, as they called it, they called it a routine background check. They found <laughs> that <laughs> when he, that, what is he working for the fucking MTA? So <laughs> seven, seven, guys, twenty three, seven years ago, when he was a sixteen year old high school student, he made some bad racist and anti semitic jokes, and to call them bad racist and anti semitic jokes is is to like imply that he has you know dark a, a dark hearted uh, uh, motivation he, for he, this. He, he, he immediately apologized. He's a shit posting. He was he's a, a teenager, shit posting idiot yeah. kid, sixteen year old. Uh, you know, and so so the the Des Moines Register. Has oh, by had, the way, Anthony, sixteen year old. What you know? You're going to criticize Greta Thornburg oh, no, no, and no, like no, not yeah no, the no, Thornbirds I, yeah. <laughs> and not and not Greta, him. I, I Greta's Greta's uh, uh, tweet history when she was nine seven yeah, years I ago. Know, I'm sure yeah, it's completely yeah. clean. <laughs> so yeah, the Des Moines Register. Well, I suppose if this kid was telling me what to what what we should do about how much I fly, <laughs> I'd get a little more angry. The Bushlight beer guy. Yeah. 
<laughs> Who even knew that there was bush light? Bush is like pretty much water as it is. I but, didn't uh, know there was a bush light. Yeah. So um, the Des Moines Register released a very, the executive editor released a very long um, statement defending why they thought that this was newsworthy. They are now apparently under police protection because of the uh, the backlash and the threats against them. So um, I don't really have a judgment on that. Uh, just pointing out that this is like a tale of two dumpster diving tweet uh, investigations, and they both uh, are coming from completely different motivations. Mm-hmm. But they both the 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 um, the actions are still the same. the The actions are are in, the the intent is to find people's ephemeral social media mind, you know, uh, brain farts and destroy their lives because of it. Well, the thing is, this is the reason it works. Mm-hmm. We've shown over and yep. over and over again that it works. And there is a new trend um, uh, that I've seen amongst writers. There was somebody, a writer that did this in, in, in the New Republic. I haven't read the piece yet, but um, I'm sure, you know, this guy to, I guess it would be weird for me to quote William F. Buckley at the end of this, but I as a, a pyromaniac in a field of straw men. But yeah, it seems to me that from what I've seen, the precy of this piece at New Republic, that cancel culture is a myth. Mm. This oh, yeah. is a yeah. big thing now. And this is always the stage of this sort of thing, because I think if you look in, if you look at Amazon, I find it, and I could probably find it now. There was a book in 94, 93, in the first grade, it's like the Punic Wars, it's the first political correct wars mm. on campus. There was mm. a book called like the myth of political correctness mm-hmm. about you know the whole premise was that political correctness didn't even exist it wasn't even a real thing it I was an like invention eric of, alterman did something about that yeah uh, he did a myth of the liberal media oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry. but th- th- this was the myth of political correctness it th- all this stuff mm-hmm. it was hyperventilating from you know dinesh d'souza like conservatives who whose first major book was actually about that um it was about like it was called um something edu- illiberal education i think yeah mm-hmm. so a myth, the myth of political correctness the conservative attack on higher education, John K. Wilson, 1995. 95. Mm. There you go. I was a year off. But mm. yeah, there's, so there's always this thing happens. There's always when it happens that rather than engaging these things, you eye roll, make fun of people for even bringing it up and like, oh, you're one of those conspiracy theorists. You create the conspiracy theory by naming it despite the fact you're not specific about it. You're saying, oh, all these people are conspiracy theories, but mm-hmm. no one's being canceled. They're living their lives. And they're, you know, there are many answers to this and it depends on the case, but we're now in the stage of, of saying that it isn't real, that you, what, what you see in front of your face is not real. Mm-hmm. You know, who are you going to believe, me or your lion eyes? And that's kind of where we are at the stage of like cancel culture. Mm. So just because, by the way, just because, and, and, and the thin reads that all this hangs on is that somebody who wasn't canceled was severely criticized or something. It's also the same thing with PC. You know, people say like, I hate that phrase, yeah. but for lack of a better phrase to say PC, people say, oh, it's just being polite. Mm-hmm. No, it isn't. And don't pretend that it is, mm-hmm. right? And I always was offended when I was in college in Northampton, Massachusetts. Always is always the bumper sticker. Feminism is the radical idea that women are equal. It's like, well, no, it's actually not. Yeah, no. There's a lot more. I mean, that Andrea Dworkin doesn't, and Catherine McKinnon don't begin to be covered by that bumper sticker, nor is political correctness just being polite, nor now is cancel culture only merely people just being called out and, and, and having the consequences um, being sort of heaped upon them for their words and their actions. That is not the case. And right. that and, and I'm sorry to say that that I think it's a lot of obfuscation. Just one point on the uh, the New Republic piece that you referenced, Michael. Um, I, I find it interesting that uh, Sarah Silverman, who uh, I always thought was 
an absolutely brilliant transgressive uh, mm. comedian for forever, for a very long time, for a good 20 years. I remember discovering her uh, on the Larry Sanders show like 25 years ago. And I remember her Joe, her Joe Franklin joke. Yeah, it was yeah, where she <laughs> she she literally at the end of the aristocrats uh, is, you know, she's play acting. She's because the aristocrats is the whole point of the joke of the aristocrats is that it's a long improv joke that's supposed to be the most horribly offensive you know, anything goes. That, mm-hmm. it, it's a joke that comedians told to each other after hours, mm-hmm. and and that, that's why it was great. So, Pendulette and Paul Provenza made a, a documentary about it, talking to a wide swath, unbelievable, uh, diverse group of comedians over many years. And, so, and in that documentary, Sarah Silverman does a tangent during the aristocrats where she says Joe Franklin, the kind of goofy local New York, uh, New Yorkers know Joe Franklin, yeah, local yeah. TV guy. Yeah. It's a the local TV guy. Maybe he, the people around the country knew him. He's, he's dead now, but, uh, he was alive at the time that Sarah Silverman made this joke in a movie that Joe Franklin raped her date, raped her after a, uh, uh, like, you know, pretending to like, um, uh, mentor her. And it was unbelievably outrageous, totally false. And in no the context, I don't in, believe anyone. The only person mm-hmm. I remember saying something was Joe Franklin. Yeah, Joe, Frank, Joe Franklin was going to sue her. <laughs> was like, and, yeah, I was mad. And I, and I think like Pat Cooper or somebody had to go like, Joe, it's a, it's a joke. It's a yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, funny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but Sarah, I think around 2016, I remember during like the 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 DNC, um, her giving an interview uh, saying that you know the kids the kids are always right, and you know I'm I'm not going to make these kind of jokes anymore. I'm not going to make jokes about you know rape or the Holocaust or hmm. AIDS or basically all the things that made her rich and famous. Hmm. Uh, and now after having seen, um, several of her friends canceled for mm-hmm. whatever reason, maybe Inclu- some diversity, including, including getting canceled herself. Yeah. Well, she, she, yeah, maybe she did get canceled herself from a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even a couple months before that, she was starting to hint at, I think this is going too far. Mm-hmm. And she's cited in that new Republic piece, um, uh, by the writer whose name I can't recall, um, as, as somebody who just doesn't get it. Just the Sarah Silverman doesn't get it. So I mean, it it's 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 indicative of like even when you like dip your toe in the idea of I'm just going to let the you know the inmates run the asylum. It's never really enough. Yeah, yeah. The kids are always right. That should be like the inscription on the next release of the Little Red Book. I mean, that Who song (laughs) of the kids are all right was ironic. Yeah, kids are always Um, right. (laughs) Thank you for that, Kevin. I love that you slowed down to that little, like, kind of put it down to first gear, and you're like, man, a little red book joke, and then you're just going to put your, you literally closed your laptop. <laughs> just close it. That's you're it. fucking done. I mean. <laughs> All right, we're done. No, listen, you've got a flight early in the morning. I got a flight early in the morning. We you gave you a show, right? People? You got work. It's yeah. five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I got I've, it. I gotta I've, been, a, I've been going I gotta go to Mi- I'm going like, to Miami, so if there's anybody that's listening yeah. this far and is in Miami, mm-hmm. then, you know, hit me up. You're going to be in South Beach. I might. You're I gonna, might. You're going to stop by KOD. Taking your talents oh, to South Beach. going to make it rain. Yeah. Oh, my oh goodness. Oh, my God. Hey. Yeah. Hey, you I mean, guys. I mean, throwing Sacagaweas. It's going down. Okay. Bye. Bye. We know of new methods of attack.